Hello and welcome to another little pulp reading. I'm David Avalone, your host. I started off with my father and today we're going to go back to my father. Third book in the series, Dead Game. I mentioned last time that dad did this thing where he listed characters by something. And in uh, Dead Game, he lists them by what they do in the game. Ed Noon, he leads off with a walk. Mr. Arangio, a cleanup man who bats second. Larry Lake, he dies on third. Patrolman Walsh, he pinch hits and strikes out. Monks warms up in the bullpen. Mrs. Arangio gets caught stealing. Mimi Tango, she sacrifices. Banjo Bryce plays a bad shortstop. Mel Trilly put out trying to score. And some of them never get to play again. That's some quality foreshadowing and a whole lot of baseball metaphors. I'm going to read uh, chapter 20, some of it, chapter 20. Uh, set up to this scene is that our tragic heroine, femme fatale, Kitty Orangio, is holding all of the main characters of the book at gunpoint with Ed Noon's Colt 45. Uh, he's been tied up. He has been trying over the previous chapter to talk her down from killing everybody, and he's just about succeeded. She's just about ready to put the gun down when everything suddenly goes very, very wrong. The cops in the hallway come out with their hands up. Kitty Ronjo about to put down the gun. A woman's scream can move mountains, stop clocks, run windows up, and slam doors. If it can't do all that, it can at least snap a person's attention from one thing to another in less time than it takes to poke a doorbell. Kitty Orangio's head jerked in bewilderment to the bed where Mimi Tango had broken through the sound barrier by somehow working the gag loose from her mouth. She was hitting high C hysterically, long, high, and loud. It was all I needed. I shot the chair toward Kitty Orangio at a dizzy tangent. It skidded across the floor toward her, flying low. She squealed in mingled fear and surprise and lurched out of the way. I took cover faster than the Yanks win penance making the other side of the bed in a headlong slide. I needed something between me and a crazy woman with a loaded gun. The crew in the hallway side of the door suddenly decided to open up with the riot gun. Wood splintered, the lock flew. The leg of the table disintegrated in a shower of splinters, and one end of the thing sat down on the floor like it had suddenly gotten tired of it all. Above the familiar rat-a-tat-tat of the machine gun, I tried to make myself heard. Hold it, you clowns! We're sitting ducks in here! We were. Arangio's chair was just off the line of the doorway. So was the bed. That didn't make me feel any too secure. One of the most discomforting traits of the Thompson submachine gun is its spraying quality. Forty-five caliber death dealers thugged into the wall, myriad cracks and holes sprung into life. A framed oil canvas from somebody's blue period lowered a full five inches from the thundering impact. Then the painting hit the deck altogether. The gun shut down as the door fell in with a crash. The panel split apart and Kitty Orangio lost her head. With a scream of something, she cut loose. She didn't know how to handle a gun, except that she had the old-fashioned idea that all you had to do was keep pulling on the trigger and you were bound to hit something. She pumped away and the old noisemaker in her fingers made a lot of it to add to the general confusion. And Mimi Tango kept right on screaming. The cops coming in must have had their own ideas about living to ripe old ages. The riot gun shattered with a long burst. 
and several rounds of lead smacked Kitty Orangio right across her slim middle and slammed her a good two yards back across the room to the window. She was dead before she hit the sill, which was the only decent break she probably ever got out of life. She went right through the glass with a rhythmical tinkle of noise that was just like Christmas. Only it wasn't Mary. Far from it, she fell out all the way, 13 floors to the hard, stony pavement in front of the Play-Doh. I get crazy notions at time like that. One of them was how much better off she would have been if she'd spent the evening at Radio City seeing that new Gene Kelly musical. Well, everything was all fouled up after that. A cop pulled me from the window. I raised my mitts, feeling angry, sore, dazed. The room was crawling with cops now, big ones, small ones, tall ones, short ones, and everybody was yapping away, shooting questions, giving orders. I saw Hadley through a haze. Then Monks came in, Captain Monks, pushing a sulky male trilly ahead of him. A guy in civvies and glasses was working over the sill, very much out. Mr. Orangio and Mimi Tango was standing alongside, weeping hysterically. Monks came toward me, leaving Trilly to one of his uniformed boys. His hands were in his pockets, and his expression was grimmer than war headlines. I fought against the weariness in my head and looked at him sarcastically. What the hell was all I had to offer? You never learn, Ed, do you? Now you'll never get that gun and license back. He didn't sound angry. He sounded just the way I felt. What the hell? Had said again. So that is the one of the violent climaxes of Dead Game, the third Ed Noon novel, in which Kitty Orangio's sad life comes to a sad ending. When I read this book for the first time, probably thirty years ago, I was struck by how violent it was. Uh, far more violent than most of Dad's detective novels, in spite of the fact that they're hard-boiled mysteries. Uh, Dad was actually fairly gentle guy. A combat veteran who wrote tough guy adventure stuff and still a fairly gentle guy. I was surprised at the amount of violence and how every every wrongdoer in this story comes to a pretty horrible ending. And he thought about it for a minute and he said, you know, I've never put two and two together, but I wrote this book when I was going through my divorce from my first wife and I was very angry at the whole world at the time. And I think it shows. All that to say, aside from that chapter being what I think is a pretty great piece of writing, uh, that action scenes are very difficult in my personal experience. Uh, but also how, no matter what you're writing, uh, who you are and what you're experiencing in that moment absolutely comes through and ends up on the page. That's a book written by an angry man who feels like life is incredibly unfair. And the book is angry and unfair as a result, uh, in a compelling way, in a very readable way, I think. That's today's book, Dead Game. I think the, the e-book is available on Amazon if you want to look it up. I think I make 0.01 cents every time one gets sold. So, hooray! That's all for now. Good night, kids. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.